turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. Kind of a dreary day out there. Good day to sit down and uh, get some uh, ideas. But let's start thinking positively. A dream is the bear of a new possibility, the enlarged horizon, the great hope. Don't lose hope when the sun goes down because the stars come out. And then finally, none of us knows what might happen, even in the next minute. Yet we still go forward because we trust, because we have faith. We have hope. There we go. All right. Uh, you know, as we always talk about on this uh, show, we, uh, we talk about our webpage, and there's a lot of good information. If you go to WHK's webpage, go down to local podcast, the Smart Investor Show, you can go directly to my webpage from there. And uh, on the top line of it as Insight, and on that, we constantly change our research, okay? And it's good stuff. Uh, you know, there's a couple articles this week that I think are outstanding. It's about Ukraine uh, and also there's a there's a tax out there, you know, that uh, we should talk about, and I'm going to tell you how to get some information on that later. But if you want, you know, you get our top ideas, our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list. Remember, uh, you know, RBC has one of the best research houses on the planet. As a matter of fact, our our top strategist, our world strategist, is one of the best, and Lori Calvacina was the number one in the small cap uh, strategist area for a long time, and now she's become our grand strategist. So good stuff. We also, look, I've talked about (laughs) ad nauseum for the last 20 years about dividends, okay, dividend growth. The dividend growth portfolio is great, and the prime income list, we're going to talk about a big development with the prime income list this week, all right? So we'll we'll stay tuned is what I'm trying to tell you in so many words. I think you'll find it interesting. Uh, so uh, for anybody that's a Republican out there, um, you know, I, I've been noticing, you know, we, we look at uh, a group called uh, Real Clear Politics, which is supposed to be, you know, neutral. <laughs> I, I think they lean a little bit to the left. So I'll just tell you that we've noticed a shift in momentum. Uh in the Democrats' favor, you know. Um, now, this is from a very low rating, okay? Uh, but Biden's approval rating has started to inch up, uh, according to Real Clear. And, you know, uh, by the way, the views on the on the Democrats in, in the generic congressional ballot has also stabilized. So, uh, you know, 2020, you know, never waste a good war, right? Uh, but anyway, it started to stabilize um, and started to head north. So for all you guys thinking that 2022 is going to change things, uh, 
I think you got to keep working hard. Now, public companies, uh, a lot of U.S. public companies have gone from not talking about Russia and Ukraine to almost everybody talking about it, all right? And to get a better sense, the conversation has been driving the stock market, we think. Um, you know, we read through some comments made by the S&P 500, uh, nearly 100 of them, and the Russell 3000 companies, and, and every one of them talked about it. Now, one of the things that uh, I think is important is that large cap stocks have outperformed small cap stocks for almost eight years now. And you know that small cap stocks have beat large cap stocks by almost two percentage points for almost 90 years. Hmm. I wonder if there could be a change. Why are small caps interesting at this point? Uh, we'll talk about that later, but I think, you know, if you look, uh, they're domestic. They're not international. International could be a problem, especially if Mr. Cheese decides that Taiwan's, uh, he needs to be part of his portfolio, because I don't think we're far from that at this point. Uh, that's Tim's opinion, not uh, ours. But, you know, look, uh, you know, COVID goes away. How convenient is that? Although it's picking up drastically in China and picking up drastically in Europe because people are, are backing off, I think. Uh, you know, China had its first death this week uh, in a year. So I, I just think, you know, uh, during recessions, let's take 1942, you know, uh, 1940 to 42, the market had a 43% decline. And then within two years, uh, it was 135% above that. But it was also, you know, we hit 100. We were 20% above where we started from. So, you know, I don't think you want to panic at this point. But the Fed, look, the market rallied on the Fed news. Why? Because the dot plots showed seven price, I mean, uh, uh, seven increases in interest rate. Why is that important? We know because the Fed is now saying no inflation. You know, what was the old uh, Nixon thing? Well, you know, whip inflation now, right? When, right? So no matter what happens, uh, the committee is determined to use its tools to make sure that higher inflation does not become entrenched. And that's important for growth stocks, okay? Because if inflation doesn't, you know, people are willing to pay more for the future earnings of a stock if inflation is down. If inflation is up, They'll pay less. What I mean by that is the P.E. ratios are going to go up if inflation is held at bay. If it's not, P.E. ratios are going down, folks. Okay, and that means growth stocks. And that you know, we always talked about value versus growth, and we're a little early because uh, of Fed policy. Okay, so the Fed changed things. Now the Fed's starting to raise interest rates, and I think you're going to see you're going to need that barbell approach. Okay, you're going to need that barbell approach. So. You know, it, the, the big question everybody had uh, is the oil fat lady singing, the you know, the song, okay? You know, when the fat lady sings, is it over? And, um, but, you know, look, $130 oil is far less a burden in 2008 or, you know, versus, or, or 1980 uh, than it is today, okay? Um because of the amount of money people make. Remember, the average uh, income was $10,000 back in 1998. 
it's now 63,000. Okay. So it's, it's a lot more than it should be now. So gasoline is a percentage of the, <coughs> of your wallet is a lot less than it was back in, you know, back in the seventies. The so uh, when it, when it was quite high, it was six, six and a half percent of your wallet back then. It's now two and a half. Now it's still a problem. Don't get me wrong, but I think you got to understand that. So, Everybody's worried about the, uh, the yield curve inverting, okay? And I, you know, I don't see that yet. Uh, you know, what we had was I think people ran to the dollar and bought the long bond because it was most liquid, the 10 and 30 years, and and then it reversed back up right away uh, once they had bought their dollar. So it'll it'll be interesting to see. Now, one of the things people talk about is the S&P 500's earnings yield, okay? less the 10-year treasury and it's it's at 282 so it's you know once it breaks over that two i think it's 290 or, or 285 i think it is that's when stocks get attractive again now we had a big rally uh might be a, a problem but you know uh look as i saw it uh everybody was worried about uh you know inflation the war the fed uh, and and the pandemic. Well, the pandemic seems to be subsiding. You know, we're, we're just knocking on wood on that. Uh, the Fed has come out. Okay. They, they said, here's what we're going to do. So now we all know what they're going to do. And I think the unknown is what the problem is. Okay. So look, everybody talks about the wall of worry. In the last, you know, three, four months, it's been a skyscraper. <laughs> it's been the wall, you know, uh, the wall's been a, a big problem, and I think it's, uh, you know, it's interesting. Now, look, for the last couple of years, I have not talked about bonds. You know, the 60-40 balance portfolio that everybody talked about. Um, and, you know, I did talk about that when I first started my show. Uh, so I, I think we're getting, you know, as the yields go up, you know, you're going to want to start to sneak some bonds into your portfolio. Um, you know, and you got to do it when yields up. Okay. Now I'm not, you know, going. To, hey, go out and buy forty percent of your portfolio of bonds. You know, but um, there's going to be a time coming up here. It's not today, where you want to sneak some bonds in just for stability purposes. Uh, purposes, because what the Fed is doing is between the open market operations where they've been buying bonds, they ain't buying them anymore. Okay, and you got to remember, a lot of these are ten-year mortgage bonds, so they're going to be selling them which means yield's going to go up probably, okay? So, uh, look, the Fed goes up. They went above and beyond all our expectations. Uh, Mr. Powell's been a very cagey guy, and I think he, you know, the, he let the dot plot speak for himself, okay? So he didn't, he didn't make any claims. He talked about a quarter basis point, but, you know, he talked about the dot plot. And, the, and so they just showed that, and automatically you count them, and you say, oh, we have seven price, I mean, right increases. So the Fed went above and beyond what we were expecting, right? Uh, by the way, since it's tax season, we had the passage of the federal tax cut job uh, and jobs act in 2017. Um, and there was a thing called SALT deduction cap of 10,000. If you don't know what it is, there's a thing called an optional pass-through entity. And you should... Send away for this if you want, okay? Uh, for those of you who are on the upper scale of income, it's probably a really good idea to know about it. But, look, I, I think, you know, we're, uh, we had a big rally, and we talked about this last week where we're 
pretty close. We said the GAN people really got it right. You know, they're cycle people. And they said two days before the Fed uh, meeting, we would have, the rally would start. And they were right. And they said it was a tradable rally. And I would say, you know, 1,300, 1,400 points is a tradable rally. Now, the question is, will it hold? And we're going to talk about that in the second half of the show. But, look, I think Russian, you know, Russia is running on empty. You know, they asked for food, uh, as this is, can be, you know, believed, food for their soldiers. All right? Imagine what the common people are doing. They're probably starving. Now, there's some companies out there like Pepsi, you know, for humanitarian people uh, purposes, are keeping the food available to the people. Uh, but everybody else is kind of backing off Russia. And, uh, you know, I, I think this might be, you know, one of the things that holds Mr. Chi at bay because – if indeed they go after Taiwan, we're going to do the same thing to China. And, uh, you know, we're going to have some problems, okay, because they supply a lot of our raw materials and some other stuff, you know, like for drugs, et cetera. But, you know, he, he's got a lot of people that may riot. <laughs> so, anyway, we saw a lot of green shoots develop, okay? Uh, you know, I was listening to Rob Schleimer this week, who, as you know, is our head technician. Oh, by the way, if you have a question, you want to call in here. The number is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. But technically, many equity markets broke support, and that's why I said the wall of worry suddenly became a skyscraper. Now, it looks like they're an undercut, but the question is, you know, we're at the 50-day moving average on the NASDAQ, and we're just above it on the S&P 500. And the S&P 500 broke the downtrend line. The NASDAQ did not, okay? So um, now the weekly momentum on the S&P 500 is down a lot and it's starting to turn. So that's a good thing. Um, I I am not seeing the same thing, uh, you know, uh, if I look at a multi-month thing, you really got to see the small caps turn. Now, their momentum is now very oversold and, and, maybe start to uh, bottom. Now, there's a lot of people out there who are making the comparison between large caps and small caps. Small caps are very cheap, and, you know, over a long period of time, they have outperformed, okay? Uh, They're not now, all right? For six six years in a row, value has not, you know, value has outperformed growth for all but two years, I think, in the last 80 up until the Fed started playing games with, uh, you know, bonds, et cetera. And then it was the large caps. And uh, so for seven, eight years now, large cap growth has outperformed. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if we get back to a normal interest rate cycle, what happens with small caps, because there's a lot of them that are awfully cheap. Uh, Now, the other thing I think is interesting is oil, you know, uh, I did sell some of my oil stocks at one when the, when the oil went to 130 and they pulled back. I thought it pulled back all the way to the uptrend line, but it, it hasn't. It held. So I might be wrong on that. And uh, so that, you know, that happens sometimes. Um, but, you know, I think, uh, you know, if you're wrong, but, you know, I talked about utilities. And, you know, one of the things I saw that the utilities broke out this week. You know, that's the prime income list, folks. There's like three, four utilities on the prime income list. So dividend growth and, and dividends themselves are, you know, they're starting to pay pay for them, okay? Now, the thing I, I you know, I did see this week was that uh, the commodity sell-off, 
which, you know, we, we had it in aluminum, we had it in oil, we had a little bit of copper. Gold held up pretty well. Um, might be a buying opportunity. Remember, value versus growth. Uh, and, and I'm going to talk about this uh, dynamic asset level investing uh, coming up here because, you know, one of the things we've, we've seen is the, the turnaround in that. All right. Uh, we'll talk about that. And I, I would also say precious metals. For those of you who like uh, precious metals, I think we're nearing a very attractive area for dip buyers. Okay. So uh, copper is the same way. Uh, so we're, we'll, we'll see what happens from there. But uh, let's take a break. This is the Smart Investor Show. And uh, if you have a question, his number, once again, is 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. All right, I'm going to go over a few things pretty quickly here. Uh, remember, if you go to WHK1420 and go down to the Smart Investor Show, I'm going to go back to these uh, tried and true ones because not many people have called in for them, so that's good. Back in June 10th uh, in 2021, we talked about the RBC Capital Markets Global Energy Power and Infrastructure Virtual Conference. That was a great call. Okay, and we also talked about the U.S. electrical grid, which is going to be, you know, uh, it made a huge move, then it pulled back, and now it's, I think it's getting ready to move again. You know, Europe's bound and determined to make um, their energy sources clean, so we'll see what happens. So if you go to my webpage, just hit the contact me or email me on those. Look, I see some things that uh, I like uh, the last couple of weeks. I mean, uh, what's interesting, off the rally, uh, remember I, last week I talked about how the the VIX had pulled back 8%. And I said that usually happens before a rally, okay? And then I had the five reasons where I thought, you know, we, we were getting close to a rally, and we'd had the rally. Now, uh, we broke the 50-day moving average, which means I think the 50 days is going to start to turn up now. And when you have these death crosses, you know, when they turn down, and, and if the 50-day turns right back up, that's usually really positive, so we'll see what happens there. Now we're right at the we're right at the 200-day moving average, so uh, we got to break through there. But we did have what they call a silver cross in a couple of uh, categories. Now I want to get back to Dorsey Wright, our our buddies in Virginia, uh, who you know have a great technical. You know they still use point and figure chart, and everybody says point and figure chart. Oh, that's old fashioned. It works, folks. <laughs> it works. But one of the things I noticed. Okay, and, you know, technology was number one for three years, and it was three or four groups that were down and out, basic materials, energy, utilities, and healthcare. Energy is now number one. Basic materials is now number two. Utilities just bypassed technology. Bingo. This would still last Healthcare. All right. Everybody hates healthcare. My God, I don't think there's been a bid in healthcare forever. Okay. Healthcare just did a what they call a silver cross. That's when the 20 day, uh, we look at the uh, EMA, which is a moving average, you know, it's exponential, crossed over the 50 day. So that's the first time that's happened 
And as long as I can remember, I'm looking at a couple ETFs now, okay? All right? And I'm looking at the PMO. If you don't know what that is, you should. And the on-balance volume, they're all ticking up. And they've been down for a long, long time. I mean, I can tell you, uh, you know, uh, healthcare is an, has a problem because procedures are down like 20, 25% over the course of the pandemic. If we come out of the pandemic, you know, I know guys, you know, like me who might need knee surgery, might even go in. <laughs> All right. So uh, healthcare is still dead last uh, on dynamic asset level investing. So you got to look at that. And the other thing, I, I think food inflation is going to be a problem for several years. Now, we had a huge move in wheat, huge move in corn, and, you know, you can't buy something up 70% and expect to make money right away. Okay, you got to let it drift back, and they will, okay, because that's, you know, you got to understand that the stock market is all about numbers eventually, but it's psychology, okay? So you get a 70% move in wheat or or 90% move in, in corn, people say, ah, I can't buy it up there, and suddenly it drifts back, and it drifts back, and then it stops going down for a while, and that's where you want to buy it, okay? So uh, you can now, by the way, use ETFs to buy agricultural products. Just so you know, there's a K-1 involved, and they deliver the K-1s usually about a day before your taxes need to go, (laughs) so just remember that, okay? So we're seeing some of this stuff, um, and and what I'm – particularly encouraged about is a lot of the farmers are still, you know, they're still not, uh, well, they were, they went long, but they're not hedging. Okay. So if you look at the commodity index, they're not hedging yet. Now, like I said, the 50 day moving averages, I think have to hold here. Okay. And if they do, they would, the 50 day would turn up, which would be very positive. So we had that death cross that everybody worried about. And it looks a lot worse on the NASDAQ, by the way, or the QQQs than it does on the S&P 500. Um, so we'll, we'll look at that and work accordingly. Now, um, institutional investors, if you look, are now positioned for a recession, which means I'm not sure. Okay? I think, you know, they're looking away for, you know, they, the Fed became hawkish. We have World War III risks. Uh, the market top calls, you know, there was bundles of them. Yield curve about to avert calls, and then we rallied. Um, you know, there's a lot of things going on. Uh, and, and, you know, Lori Calvacina uh, also talks about this. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, Doug Cass, let's talk about him. Doug Cass put out something. He said there 10% odds of a civilization-ending nuclear war. Wow, that that's heavy, you know. Uh, you don't want to hear that. Um, uh, but you know, uh, we'll see. You know, but we had the lows on 224. We had a big low, and we held it three times, and we came back. So you know, I think that's positive, in, in my humble opinion. So the question is, you know, if if all the institutions are involved, you know, ready for a recession, and there's lots of bad news priced into the market, is what I'm trying to tell you. Okay, so. Uh, everybody was, I got eight emails last week saying I was crazy about, you know, here's the five reasons why we could rally. And that's when I knew, I mean, look, I'll never forget when I, I said, you know, the housing market looks like a short because it's parabolic back in 2004, I got hate mail 
for <laughs> about three months, okay? Uh, but it was parabolic. And when things go parabolic, you got a, you got a problem on your hand. So, you know, um, I, I guess the question is, and, and this, is, this is what I'm having a problem with too, is how do you gain conviction on the bounce, okay? You know, look, uh, Friday's triple witching hour, uh, we had – you know, four consecutive 1% days for the S&P 500. And we started off on the downside, and then we rallied. So it's a pretty positive thing. And we also broke the downtrend line dating back to November. So, it's you know, it was, it was good. Now, the problem is daily momentum has turned back to positive, but weekly and monthly momentum, as, you know, per the moving average convergence divergence, which if you don't know what that is, you shouldn't be managing your own money, uh, remain negative, all right? Treasury yields dropped sharply post of the Fed meeting, and the yield curve flattened out even more. You know, the 2 to 10 spreads under 20 basis points now. Uh, so, we, you know, defensive strength is, is kind of the, 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 the main thing that the market's talking about. People are, you know, they're buying energy, they're buying health care, they're buying utilities, they're buying REITs. So, you know, th- those are defensive plays, and uh, I think you got to – Understand that. Now, I think the big thing this week was the utilities broke out of a long consolidation. That's really positive, folks, you know, because what you want, a Dow theory buy signal is when the utilities break out, then the transportation, or, you know, they can go at any any uh, order they want, and then the Dow, okay? Now, the Dow's been negative momentum for nine weeks now, nine weeks that's a long, long time, folks. All right, so it's something that you have to pay very close attention to. Now, I, there was a question last week about a couple international oil companies, and I want you to know that we added one of those to our ADR list. So whoever's listening out there, um, and and uh, so it'll be interesting. They both held their 50-day moving average, which is what I said was the you know the key stop. So they both turned up. Uh, so I, I wanted to make that uh, mention that, but whoever asked that question. Now, here's some things that I've seen. Gold, if you look at the monthly chart on gold, first of all, the momentum is oversold. And it's this huge cup and handle formation, which Bill O'Neill made famous uh, from Investors Business Daily. And he made millions of dollars selling it to Fidelity and Vanguard until they figured it out. Anyway, um, so if the momentum turns back off, Gold could be a very interesting scenario, uh, especially if it breaks. I think it's 2080, you know, is the big breakout. Uh, 2076, actually, if you want to be, you know, exact. But 2080 would be a big, big breakout. And I think that, uh, you know, that would be positive. So what I'm saying is, is that, look, I think the U.S. dollar's up because people are buying dollars because of the war or the Ukrainian war, I should say. So uh, if that goes away, I think with the fact that, you know, we're, we're going to slow down our economy, the dollar's not going up for a while. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens from here. But look, the 10-year yield is still in a downtrend dating back to 1980. Okay? Let me say that again. Back to 1980, it's in a downtrend. So we're still not, you know, we're still at the lowest interest rates in the history of man. We're still negative real yields, okay? Hey, let's take a break, and we'll be right back with the, uh, the bullish percent. 
so stay tuned if you have a question 216-901-0945 stay tuned You know, I uh, I had a question uh, via email about Apple, and I would just say that it uh, it's held support uh, for the last couple of days, so you know that's positive and uh, great company. So we'll just leave it at that. Uh, and then I also had a question via email about Ethereum and uh, Bitcoin, and you know I don't really follow these things, so you know the chart has held on both. Uh, after a big decline, by the way, but uh, it's it's in an area where they they've held before, so that's all I can tell you. I don't know about the fundamentals. I'm not recommending it, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so uh, as you know, we always talk about uh, our main guide to risk is the bullish percent, and you know, a couple weeks ago it went positive, and half my clients said, "You're out of your mind." And I said, you know, we had a rally off the bottom, and then we came, we tested for a couple days, and then we have a 1,000-point rally or a 1,300-point rally. So it works, folks. It works. So, look, the reason it works is because you're subjective. It's objective. It doesn't care what you think. It does its thing. (laughs) All right? Now, last year at this time, it was at 80, and I said it was at 80. And then it went to 60, and then it went to 78, went to 60. And I said it was a series of lower tops. That was not good, okay? And I've had a lot of cash for a long time. People think I'm nuts, but I've had a cash for a long time. So, um, you know, uh, I mean, last year, you had to be in the big stock. So the S&P 500 outperformed. And since they're touting that on CNBC, I think, you know, and whenever they tout something on CNBC, you should be be careful. Look over your shoulder. It's my humble opinion. Um, Now, some of these guys speak truthfully, but you got to know who they are. I know who they are. If you don't, you shouldn't be listening to them. Um, because if you did for the last two weeks, you'd be totally out of the market. They would have scared you to death. Okay? So anyway, the New York bullish percent, uh, it was was designed by some people back in the 30s to, to be a way to be bearish at the top and bullish at the bottom. Now, everybody was bullish last year, and we were talking about how high it was. Okay? We said it was over 70. And I don't think anybody listens, but, you know, uh, that's the way it was, okay? It got to 34 but two weeks ago. And I said, you know, this might be where it turns. And then I gave you some reasons why it would turn last week. Now, I must admit, okay, not last week, but the week before, when we started breaking, you know, I said that line in the sand. And I said, when we broke that, I was nervous. I called some people and said I was nervous, all right? Because when you break support, that's a problem. Now, there is a thing called an undercut, and that's what I think we did. We undercut the support and then rallied back up. It's just, the undercut scares the Jesus out of everybody, including Tim Hayes and any professional that knows what they're doing, okay? So when you rally right back up, though, that's a good sign. Like I said, the death cross uh, on the S&P 500 may have turned back up, uh, the 50-day moving average back up, and if it crosses over the 200, uh, that'd be very, very positive again. So, But the bullish percent goes from 0 to 100, and all it is is point-and-figure charts. Column of X's means you have the offensive team on the field. That's where we are right now, and we're in great field position. We're at 49. We were up 4.5 bucks or percent on uh, last week. That's pretty big, especially Thursday and Friday. 
They were big, big days. Now, um, when we when we get above 70, that's when everybody's talking about their portfolio. You should be frightened. When you get below 30, that's when you should be greedy. Okay? Now, we got to 34 and whatever. Now, one thing happened this week that I think is very positive. Last week, I said that the small caps had not participated in almost four months. Okay? They were below 30. They got the, tw- I don't know, 24, I think it was. And they reversed up into a column of X's. Now, let me explain something about small caps. Usually, once they improve, there's some weakness following it. Scares everybody again. And then the real improvement comes. So, you know, you, you've got to keep that in the back of your head, all right? But they did turn up. So the bullish percents in a column of X's, we got the offensive team on the field. When it goes into a column of O's, you've got to be more careful. That's what happened when we were up at 80, okay? So right now, I think we're, we're seeing some signs of bottoming. We're not may not be there yet. The world index is still in a column of O's. I think you want to, you know, as Alan Robinson said, who runs our ADR portfolio, I think you want to be very, very careful in with European stocks right now, okay? Very, very careful for obvious reasons, all right? So the Dow Jones had been down and out and you know it had negative it still has negative momentum this week so but it did put on i mean we were at 33,000 and now we're at 3410 that's a pretty big move in a week all right so uh you know last week we just we talked about those five reasons why we you know we were very you know we could be bullish and you know i tell you the gan people hit it right on the head you know and they're cycle people they talk about you know, the day before the Fed meeting would be very, very positive. And uh, so, you know, look, there's a lot of um, companies out there that have been on relative strength buy signals for a long, long time. I've got a list of them. And maybe what you should do is start with those. Okay, if you're going to add to your portfolio, start with those. Now, I did see some of the chemical companies that I talked about and utilities, you know, three weeks ago, we talked about defense stocks, chemicals, uh, transportation stocks, utilities, et cetera, okay? I'm starting to see these things start to, to build up, okay? And, you know, when you've had a long-term relative strength buy, those are the ones you want to add to when we're down. And I think that's what I'll be doing Monday, all right? So uh, there, there are some really interesting stocks also in the insurance area. All right, so uh, those seem to be breaking out too, so we'll just leave it at that. But, you know, technology is almost at, I mean, now on the dynamic asset level investing, you know, this is just relative strength investing now, okay? Energy's number one. They were dead last last year at this time. When we told you to buy it at this time, okay? Basic materials were dead last. Utilities have jumped over technology. So it goes, Energy is number one, basic materials number two, financials number three. Now, financials are teetering. So uh, we, I think if the yield curve inverts, the financials might not be a place to be, although the insurance companies have been breaking out, okay? And then industrials number four, real estate, which was third to last about this time last year, has gone through, then utilities. At the bottom is healthcare and communications services. They're dead last. Now, healthcare has been there for a while, almost three years. 
and we had that silver cross. So you got to pay attention here, okay? Um, so I think that technology is, uh, you know, there. A lot of people are in tech stocks. I am to a certain degree. Uh, so we have declining relative strength. Now they can turn, uh, but I think utilities have climbed above them into fifth position. So you want to be paying attention there. Now internationally, uh, you know, we're still seeing volatility, and you know they got uh, the like the EEM, which is the uh, the uh, iShares emerging markets thing just got pummeled and, but rebounded into a column of X's last week. I don't know if uh, it's not a healthy rebound because of the fact that we're still below the downtrend line. So, you know, that downtrend line will be formidable, I think. And, and I think it's the same way with, you know, anything in China, but, you know, China basically told you that they're going to back up their, their market with their money. And, you know, some of the crane shares and, you know, the X, uh, the FXI and those type of things put on, I mean, they were up like 20%, you know, in a day. So, um, you know, that's that's why you don't want to be in China because the government's playing a game. Uh, but it also, you can make money that way too. Now, I, I had a question uh, from Phil uh, on Thursday. He emailed me and he said, Tim, I, I want to be in fixed income. And if I was being in fixed income, I'd be in inflation protected, floating rates, and, you know, and I guess there's some inverse fixed income funds. I don't know. They're probably top of the list right now. But the, the inflation protected floating rates was what I'd be looking at right at the moment. Up till if the yield curve inverts, then you got to change your mind a little bit. But, you know, uh, crude oil had been positive for nine weeks and it had a bad week last week. Uh, it peaked. And I said it would probably peak the day of the invasion. All right. And. It took two more days to make me look bad, <laughs> but that's the way it goes. Um, now, gold's been uh, positive for six weeks, and all the commodity indexes have been positive for 12 weeks, 11 weeks. Like I said, everybody's going to look and say, ah, I can't buy this anymore. It's up too much, and it'll pull back. It's psychology, folks. And so 11 weeks, 12 weeks for commodities is a long time, and I think you got to remember that, okay? Um the other thing I've been noticing is that, you know, when equities have been selling off, Bitcoin has been selling off. So I don't know if these people are buying equities with Bitcoin uh, dollars or uh, why the, the the correspondence, but they're, they're pretty almost, I mean, it's the same movement. Uh, now, the percentages are a little bit different, but the same movement. So there's a correlation between the two, I think, that is, is very interesting. And, you know, we'll see what happens from here. But I... Uh, you know, it's something you just keep in the back of your head uh, for now. All right, so uh, we'll leave it at that. Um, some of the other things, you know, like I said, uh, I, people are talking about the yield indexes, and I junk bonds don't look so good. All right, now they'll they'll rally if the, if the stock market rallies because they're they're stock surrogates for the most part. Uh, so we should, you know, we should see some decent uh, movement in them coming up. Um, they, they did rally Thursday and Friday, uh, but the chart has made a lower high. So I think you want to be a little bit careful there, um, especially because junk bonds do not do well in recessionary periods. Okay. So, uh, you know, be careful there. Now, everybody, I got like 20 questions about oil. I think you should have asked those last year about this time when I started, people started, you know, they said, are you crazy? And, uh, I just think that, look, the CRB index, which is the Commodity Research Bureau index, has been in a bear market 
from 2009 until 2020 or 2020. Yeah, 2020. All right. And now it's rallying. All right. So bear markets don't last forever. Bull markets don't last forever. And I think you got to understand that, you know, it broke out. It's very, very extended right now, almost parabolic. Same with oil. So what they'll do is they'll pull back. And on the pullback, if you haven't participated with us in the last year, you probably want to. Now, the one thing I did notice about commodities versus the you know the Standard Poor's 500 is that the relative strength broke the downtrend line dating back to 2009. That's interesting, all right? So I, I guess you know if 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 I were looking at things, I'd be doing a couple things right now. I'd be keeping my eye on healthcare stocks because they've been down and out for a long, long time. I remember basic materials were there. Energy was there. Energy and basic materials and healthcare were there last year. And utilities, you know, so utilities were tied with basic materials. Energy and basic materials are now one and two on the dynamic asset level investing, okay? And we, and we have utilities number five. So these things are making moves from the, the depths of despair. So we got to watch healthcare going forward. All right. So there we go. Anyway, we'll be back with insiders. And uh, so if you got any questions, 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. So now we talk about insiders. So what we've done is we've gone from our strategy piece to our economics piece, and then we've talked about a little some general uh, groups that are doing better. Uh, then we talked about our bullish percent. So you know the offensive teams on the field. Okay, now you might you know after what's happened and with the war going on in Ukraine, you know you got to look over your shoulder. Okay, so just be careful. And like I said, I have a list of relative strength buys that have been there for a long, long time. And that might be a good place to start, okay, because they've held it through this. Like I said, you know, the wall of worry is now a skyscraper, okay? So uh, take it from there. Now, I did notice that um, insiders have been buying like crazy. And I had multiple buys. Remember we talked about uh, Sophie Technologies was a hot new issue that did nothing afterwards. And, uh, you know, Anthony Noto had bought some last week. Well, he bought some more this week. Uh, Anthony Noto is an old Goldman Sachs guy, um, you know, and he's bought quite a bit. Also, uh, Land C Homes, which is real estate development. I noticed there was like five, six insider buys there. Also, uh, in in Neva, which is woods and lumber, uh, at new highs, we have a, we have several buyers. Uh, these are multiple buyers, so these aren't big buys yet. Uh, also, uh, Synchronous Technologies, which is like a dollar eighty stock, we had like five or six buys. Uh, so those are very interesting too. But Multiple buys on a lot of different small stocks, okay? Um, and we also, um, uh, on COM, C-O-M-M, uh, uh, we've had multiple buys there, too. So that's kind of, uh, you know, that's that's a stock that has been down and out, and, you know, the first time we've seen some buys on them, you know? So it's, uh, uh, you know, COM is in the communication equipment area. But we've had, you know, three or four 300,000 share buys. We also had, you know, Philip Frost continues to buy Opco. So he's either out of his mind or, uh, you know, I've listened to him. He's not out of his mind. <laughs> so we'll just leave it at that. 
Now, some of the bigger buys out there, uh, STEM Inc. Company, uh, which is a software company, uh, we had a director uh, who's, who's a pretty smart guy, by the way, uh, buy a, a million dollars worth. And then also uh, Bumble, uh, which is, you know, software dating. Uh, uh, I mean, dating software, I'm sorry. Uh, we had the uh, director, Amy Griffin, buy a whole bunch. And DraftKings, you know, they bought some last week and it, we, we had some more this week. Uh, Harry Sloan bought some and uh, Hannah Nada bought, uh, they each bought about a million dollars worth. So uh, good stuff. The big buy this week uh, is Procore Technologies, which is a software company. It hasn't done Asana very much good, but um, we had uh, Bill Griffin, who's a director, bought uh, $33 million worth and then a day later uh, bought $26.7 million worth. Uh, that's not chump change front, folks. Also, Dan's. Springer, who's the um, CEO of DocuSign, bought $5 million worth of stock this week. And then, uh, you know, our, our good friend Nelson Peltz uh, with Tryon continues to buy uh, Janssen Henderson Group uh, from the United Kingdom. I bought some, you know, back on March 11th and then uh, bought some more uh, just this week. So he's continuing to buy, uh, bought another $5 million. I think he bought like 30 40 million dollars worth last week and uh, uh he and uh um uh ed garden who's with Tryon, both bought another five million dollars each this week uh, also natura which is in the diagnostics business uh you know was a hundred dollar stock is now like 36 and at 32 uh, a director bought uh five million dollars worth that's quite a bit and then you know we uh we continue to have uh SciTech biosciences uh, RA Capital Management, it continues to buy. You know, they bought some two weeks ago, <clears throat> and they just bought another, like, $7 million worth. And a couple other names. Uh, Carol Wolf, which is in the ca- capital markets, was a hot new issue. Uh, it was above 20, you know, back uh, January. It's now below 7. <laughs> no, it's 7. I'm sorry. Uh, we had the chief executive officer, Paul Prager, buy $3 million worth. And then uh, also uh, Human Igen. Human Igen, which is an interesting name. We had Dave Chappelle, who's the chief science officer. So this is a biotech company. He stepped up and bought a million shares at three bucks. Uh, so, you know, you like seeing chief science. You know, when the CFO buys, you know, the chief financial officer, the number of guys buy, or the, you know, in these healthcare or even uh, technology companies, when the chief science officer buys, pay attention. That might be an interesting. But you know it, it's a Vegas stock, okay? Don't bet your bet your uh, life on it, okay? And then MIX Telematics, uh, we had, uh, and this is a real low price stock. Uh, Ian Jacobs, though, is a pretty smart guy, from my understanding. He bought two point eight million dollars worth, and 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 uh, Cody, uh, we had another buyer there of two point five million, and here's another one, Butterfly Network, which was uh, written up in several magazines as a one to. To like uh, Larry Robbins, who's a pretty smart guy, uh, he bought $2.2 million worth. What they do is they allow, you know, you can go in the doctor's office and they can, you know, if you have a bad knee, they can take a look at the knee uh, via the device or your cell phone, I guess it is, or whatever, the device, and, and put it on your cell phone or your laptop so you can see it right there in the doctor's office. You, don't, you know, they can tell you, diagnose it a lot quicker. Uh, and then Sky West, which was $40 two months ago, is now 26. Uh, Jerry Atkin uh, bought 1.3 million dollars uh, each. All right, so uh, he, he obviously likes the stock. So uh, 
here we are. We've been worried to death for, I mean, this is a four month, almost going on five months uh, of the NASDAQ composite getting whacked. Uh, I, you know, we, we said that 30% of all the NASDAQ was down over 60% a week ago. And it got as bad on Tuesday that there was 31.5%. So, you know, there's 3,600 stocks, 3,655 stocks in the NASDAQ composite. So that's over 1,000 stocks are down over 60%. So we've been in a bear market for the NASDAQ. The S&P's held up better, uh, but it did go down 14%. That's a pretty, you know, that's a tough tough way to start the year, okay? Uh, so it, it, it's they've been selling pretty rapidly across the board. And I think, you know, look, um, you got to follow the bullish percent, all right? Now, look, the daily stuff, uh, you know, like I said, the MACDs and all that, uh, the momentum figures have not verified this uptrend yet. Okay, but the over-the-counter index uh, from our friends at Dorsey Wright, you know, who provide us with a bullish percent, uh, they have turned up too. So now we have the kings and and the knights leading the way, and we've got some of the foot soldiers and some of the archers and some of the supply chain behind us now, okay? So this is how bottoms are formed. So don't scare yourself out, all right? Uh, Like I said, several chemical companies last week gave relative strength buy signals, utilities broke out, all right? So if transports follow and then the Dow follows, that, you know, remember, that's what Charles Dow's called a Dow buy signal, okay? Dow theory buy signal. And if you've ever read it, it's good stuff. Now, you know, and the other thing we got to think about is large versus small. Remember, small does better when it's more domestic orientation, all right, and that's the thing you have to remember. All right, so are we going to, you know, I, I, we're, we kind of, uh, Alan Robinson, who's who's been running our ADR portfolio forever, he's very good at it, has been saying, you know, cool down anything in Europe. Stay away from Europe for now, all right, for obvious reasons, okay? So, you know, will he come back? Uh, maybe, but I think the important thing is, is that we have some things happening. And they haven't happened in a long time, since 2009. We've got commodities breaking out. We've got basic materials and energy leading the way. We've got most of our institutions set up for a recession, okay? We have the Fed taking away money from us, taking away the liquidity. That's what they're doing with the seven rate increases plus, you know, the bond market things that the, we're, we're going to talk about, the open market operations. So the key here is that what worked before probably won't work. So I think what you have to look is small cap value. Uh, healthcare still sits there in the last space, and that's an interesting thing because healthcare does well usually in a recession, okay, or a slow growth period. And, you know, if you have seven increases, and, and maybe the Fed only does three or four, you're still taking money. You're taking liquidity out of the system, and you got to remember that. Now, the other thing is I think the commodities are for real. The type of breakout they had usually starts off with a sell-off after, the, you know, when they go straight up and they break the downtrend line dating back 20 years or 15 years, whatever it is, they're going to pull back just to make sure everybody thinks, ah, it's over. 
But I think food inflation is going to be a problem for time, for some time, maybe even oil, you know. Uh, and I think you got to understand that. And with gold, like I said, if we break that 20, I think it's 2076, the cup and handle formation is positive. And, you know, weekly, the weekly momentum is a little bit overbought, not too. Uh, the monthly momentum is still oversold. So I think you got to take a look at that. And look, one thing I did see, uh, and Rob Schleimer's group talked about, was large cap value has now made a double top. Be careful out there. So in the meantime, I would go to my webpage, you know, go to WHK1420, go down to Smart Investor Show, and you go directly from my webpage there. If you want any material, just hit contact me or email me. We have our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list, uh, our best idea list, but also go to Insights because the, the research changes there every week. And right below, by the way, it says bulletin board. You can see Rob Schleimer's roadmap, which is his weekly piece, and it has really good information, and you can watch things very closely, okay? In the meantime, have a great weekend. Uh, you know, You know that... St. Patrick's Day is one of the best days for the market over the last 80 years. So Aaron, go Brock, and buy low and sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.